Shadow Talk. In this special edition of Shadow Talk, we celebrate the launch of Digital Shadows Women's Network by focusing on issues of diversity in the security industry. We'll cover some of the challenges facing women working in security, how companies can try and tackle some of these issues, and how Digital Shadows Women's Network aims to be a starting point for fostering diversity in the workplace. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of Shadow Talk. I'm Libby Fumara, and I'll be your host today. Joining me, we have Shadow Talk regular and strategic intelligence manager, Rose Bernard, and Sophie Burke, our new HR business partner who's been with us all of but one week now. <laughs> Welcome, Sophie. <laughs> throwing you in the deep end here. <laughs> so thanks for being with us today. I'm very excited to um, be doing this podcast. Um, in exciting news, we have the launch of our Digital Shadows Women's Network, which has been a few months in the making. I think about eight months ago, actually, if not a little bit more, a group of us got on Slack and started chatting about just some of the, the challenges we face. And eventually it's evolved into a full-fledged network that we're really excited to, to launch and explore what we can really be doing with it over time. So to start, I guess the best thing is to explain what our women's network is. So just gave a little bit of background on how it was created. What we're really hoping to do here is promote inclusivity and diversity, also just equal opportunities within and outside of digital shadows. I think that's really at the forefront of this network. In 2018, we're hoping with the network to, I would say, start small, really make sure we have the right backing within it and support internally. We'd love to have an event in each one of our offices, so starting here in London, going to Dallas, and then San Francisco, and over time, hopefully partnering with other local uh, chapters and networks as well. After each of these events, we're hoping to really make sure that we have a great internal network that's providing a safe environment for everyone. And also just a little bit of mentorship. I'd love to have every woman in the company and not every woman, any, everyone in the company having someone they can go to and, and discuss you know, what they're feeling and feel quite safe in the environment here. Uh, so to start, I would love to hear from both of you, Rose and Sophie, on why you wanted to be a part of the network. I think it's a really, really important network to have. Representation is really, really vital to having diversity in this industry. And I can't remember who it was who said it, but somebody once said that being a woman on the internet is like sticking your head above the parapet. And being a woman in the security industry is the very same thing and being a woman in the technology industry is also like going over the top in the trenches so to be a woman in the cyber security industry sometimes it feels like i should just get asking for it tattooed on my forehead so i think that having spaces like this where we can discuss the shared issues and the shared concerns as well as the the good things that we find is really really important and for myself, uh, obviously I'm new to the organisation, but for me, um, one of our key priorities at Digital Shadows is to ensure that we attract, recruit and develop our staff, regardless of, of their sex, so female, male, um, but particularly for the, um, the women in our industry, because um, the future pipeline doesn't really look too optimistic, um, given the statistics that 
we are seeing continuously in the news and the media, um, it genuinely just does not look um, very hopeful for our future pipeline of talent. Um, and for us, really, to continue uh, with a diverse organisation, um, it's fundamental to make sure that we've, we've got enough people to recruit in the future. Absolutely. So, as you mentioned, within the industry in particular, it's pretty startling, the stats. I think I saw mm -hmm. one recently that said cybersecurity industry was about 10% female. Mm -hmm. We also just saw an article on Google's diversity statistics, which even such a large corporation like them, they have about 31%, I think, female mm -hmm. employees. And then if you kind of dive into it a bit deeper and look at different ethnicities, it's even more startling. Mm -hmm. So we're certainly in a position where there are lots of challenges for us to tackle and that we have to go through on the day to day. I think that's a really good point to make because we're here specifically to talk about our experiences in this industry as women, but it's also important to recognize that as a, personally as a woman in this industry, I am, I face prejudice. But as a white woman in this industry, I am also incredibly privileged and that we have to think about women in the industry really in a really intersectional way. So we have to look at black women and Latina women and Asian women and all of the different factors that come in to make up this diversity and this landscape, which we really need to promote. Yeah, definitely. I think for from my point of view too, this women's network is really a springboard for wider diversity and inclusion mm. initiative internally which I think a lot of companies and organizations are starting to tackle much earlier on than they may have before as well. So something I definitely wanted to dive into as well is some of the specific challenges that you both have faced within the industry, within your roles as well. I know we have intelligence with you, Rose, and mm -hmm. HR, Sophie. Uh, something that we had talked about previously too were certain roles like HR marketing where you really see women making up the majority of it versus roles or departments that you've been in rows which is where women are really the minority. Mm -hmm. So if you have any examples about some of the difficult times you've had in that past it'd be wonderful for our, our listeners to hear about that. Yeah I mean in the intelligence and analysis world as a woman you are always fighting for legitimacy and it is an unfortunate fact of the business and the industry that I can say the exact same thing as a middle-aged man and he will be treated with more gravitas than I will because of the predetermined assumptions that people have about women and about young women in the industry and we see it in meetings and the way women's contributions are accepted in meetings and the way women's contributions are questioned in meetings. One of the biggest examples for me is I can sit in a meeting or in a conference. I was in a conference about two weeks ago and I stood up and I gave a talk and it was a talk about something that I know quite a lot about. And five minutes later, a man stood up and said exactly the same thing that I had just said as if it was new. And that's really, really tough to deal with. And I, for all my sins, I'm not exactly a shrinking violet. Mm. So I've taken to just replying by saying, that's a really interesting perspective on what I just said. If you're having trouble grasping it, I can recommend you some further reading. I'm trying to teach a splain instead of mansplaining. <laughs> but if you're not 
as stubborn or as pig-headed as me, it can, it can be a really threatening environment. And it's this vicious cycle of women feeling like they can't express their opinion, so they don't express their opinion, so people value women's experiences less. And that's a really, really pernicious aspect of what we do. I don't know if it's the same thing in, in your yeah, experience. So um, I previously worked in the Middle East where there are a number of stereotypes for women, particularly as they work in, regardless of the industry, not just security and tech, a number of, well, women will come back from maternity leave. And um, I've often had several conversations with line managers to state that, you know, well, they can go to a um, part-time admin role instead of, you know, a senior leadership role in the organisation. Having a baby addles your brain, yeah, exactly. I've heard. Yeah, so, you know, that they won't be able to fulfil the, you know, the role when they return because they'll have other commitments. And by all means, it is a change and, you know, it's a life change and it's a journey that they'll be going on. But why shouldn't a female come back into the office and, you know, undertake the same role that they're doing, if not more? The career aspirations should not stop. They should not be hindered just because they have a family and they have commitments. And, you know, we need to be driving that and allowing those career discussions when they return, refreshing it, having regular catch ups with their, you know, with their line managers and you know, role models in the organisation. It's, it's good for them to have someone around that has flexible working um, kind of arrangements and they can see that it's working in practice. And that's a really interesting point because we're not just facing obstacles or assumptions within our workplaces it's really inherent in what society and culture tells us that we should be doing as a woman you should be having a career you should be having yep. a family and you know you see all of these things on instagram with these women who have the push chair and the blackberry and the really perky ponytail um, and actually we're not asking women when they come back into the office after having, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they've had a baby, maybe they've had a life change, like something else, maybe it's a bit of an operation yeah. or an illness and we don't ask them what they want. Mm -hmm. Like actually, what do you want with your career? Mm -hmm. Free from assumptions, free from stereotypes. What is it that would help you right now? Yeah. And we don't do that enough. I completely agree. I think it really brings up the wider topic of having a women's network. Is that really enough? I think it really helps show that there's so many more other aspects that we need to dive into. So like you said, with work-life balance, flexibility, what are the working hours? What can you do for someone who has to take care of their family? Maybe they're a single parent or a new parent. Uh, we ran into this last year, actually, in the U.S. It was we were relooking at our parental leave policy, which if uh, you're familiar with that in the U.S., it is very horrific. It's Jeez. seen as a Parker benefit rather than a human right. I've heard of people having to go back to work two weeks after giving birth, for example, and those two weeks were fully unpaid as well. So, wow. yeah, it's pretty, unfortunately, it's not that common in the US that you really get much time off. And we were able to pass 16 weeks of a mix of fully paid and semi-paid leave, which was, um, you know, a hurdle, but a really well <laughs> worth one. And it was just fascinating to see the backing we got internally in the company too, from men, from women. And I think it really made us think twice about, you know, how we are setting ourselves up at a, as a company mm -hmm. to ensure that we can retain talent from all different backgrounds and ways of life and what everyone's going through. And it really brought into 
what you were talking about, it's not just setting up the policies, it's integrating back in. So after you've been on leave, it's not just a, a full stop, you're back full time, going on as normal. There has to be another conversation around that. And I think that's something that this network I'm hoping will really spark the conversation with, with everyone here, not just you know the leadership level, but management, yeah. um, everyone else, really being able to have the conversation on is this enough and, and what can it promote? So another side of that, too, that we were talking about uh, earlier was diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. And alongside of this, of course, you have a group that might be more of a minority, such as women or different ethnic backgrounds. One of the best things that can happen when you increase that is that you have different perspectives yeah. and <laughs> you're able to, to look at things differently and really be pushing ourselves internally as a company, um, especially within this industry where it's just yeah. so different. And I think part of this conversation for me is kind of, well, what's the bigger picture here? How do we really create an environment that's safe for, for everyone, all walks of life to, to come in and feel like they can have their opinion here? Something I talk quite frequently about is psychological safety, which is one of the top elements for creating an effective team, which I think a lot of people overlook, and that mm -hmm. is being vulnerable, feeling safe to say something different than what your peers or your manager is saying, and providing an environment that not only encourages that, but cultivates that. So I would love to hear from you, kind of your thoughts there, uh, what, what you would like to see more companies do, um, if you've kind of experienced that before as well, and what's, what's on your mind. Yeah, I think it's it's really, really important to foster that feeling of psychological safety because if somebody feels safe, they're going to express their opinions and they're going to, not only are they going to challenge behaviours which they might find unacceptable, but they're also going to feel able to express their opinions in a work situation, in a work context, specifically around intelligence and analysis. It's all about opinions um, and I frequently say to my team I honestly do not care what your analysis is as long as you have one and as long as you've thought it through and as long as you can back it up like I am not right I am not right about this you know best come to me and tell me and I will listen and I think a lot of it is about listening and allowing people that space to feel like they're heard yeah, and in turn, um, our female employees will feel valued in the organisation. And it's quite right about the behaviours. The more that we see those professional behaviours that um, allow people to speak up and, and challenge, you know, it's about having the, the courage to challenge on occasion when you feel, you know, certain um, kind of decisions that are being made aren't, you know, the right decisions or in line with our, our company values, for example. Um, you know, that's that's the key thing. And I think we've all too, you know, every, I think everyone's got a story at some point where they felt they've been shut down in a, in a meeting or they've been told that their, um, you know, opinions aren't, aren't right, full stop, uh, and there's no further discussion or debate. And it's frustrating when you're not, you're not listened to. Something that I'm quite um, curious about is the interviewing. When we first looked to recruit 
um, candidates in our organisation, something that I'd like to introduce is a balanced panel to ensure that we've got you know female and male interviewers mm. on the panel. I think that would be really good. Yeah, totally with you on that. I think when we initially set up the, the Women's Network, we put together our first stab at a mission statement and kind of first things we would like to tackle. And part of that was with the recruiting, making sure that a woman is involved in every single interview that mm -hmm. goes on. If we can, starting to have blind resumes submitted, as yeah. well as taking a look at our job descriptions and website. You know, is it inclusive? Is it is the wording we're actually using on the job descriptions inviting mm -hmm. people to apply that otherwise might might not? And I think it'll be a really interesting exercise for us to go through. Yeah. And it's something that I have no doubt we can tackle over the next few months as well. I think that the interviewing thing is a really, really good idea because it kind of highlights these situations that as a man coming into this industry, you might not recognize or you might take mm -hmm. for granted. And I don't mean that in a negative or dismissive way, but it's just one of those things that might not click in your head that actually being a young woman, it's intimidating being interviewed by three men. It's, yeah. you know, it's quite an odd situation to walk into. And I think that's a really, really good idea. Yeah. And there are often, you know, female staff that will be overcritical of themselves. So things like going forward for promotion, they might be less inclined to, you know, put forward their business case to, to be the next level. Yeah. And, and Rose, a few days ago when we were talking about this podcast and, and things we wanted to discuss, you brought up a really interesting point on is there a difference between men and women and how they process information, uh, how we communicate? Mm -hmm. And there are studies that say, yes, you know, there, there is a difference and here's what it is and how you can combat it. And you said that you felt that, no, there isn't. There, it really comes down to nature versus nurture and that mm -hmm. women are, are raised and put into a society where there are certain norms that make us process information differently. And I would love to have you explain that a bit more because I thought it was a, a really salient point in this discussion. There is no biological difference in women's brains and men's brains. If you took out, um, you know, if, if for some reason there had been a catastrophe and both Raph and I, Raph who also does this podcast, died and you took out our brains and you looked at them, you would not be able to tell the difference. Um, even if you looked at them not as a layperson, just thought that's a really weird, squishy shape there. If you looked at it under a microscope and you examined electronic impulses, there is no difference. What we find is that actually the brain is essentially a muscle, right? And as a woman and as a man, you are forced to develop or to use different parts of that muscle. Um, in the same way that if you do tricep curls, you get really big triceps. And if you just do a leg press, you get really, really big thighs. And as a woman, the situations that you might find yourself in where you are having to you know, judge things like, is this a safe situation for me? How do I have to put my opinion across in this situation? It means that we do react to situations in different ways and we do think about things in different ways. And similarly, as a man, you'll, you'll have the same thing because different parts of your brain will be thinking about things like that. Your cultural experiences are different. Um, you know, as, as a man, you do face different stereotypes that you have to live up to. And that means that you're going to have a different cultural experience. And 
in terms of intelligence analysis, cultural experience is everything because it really helps you look at a problem and at a knot in a different way and tease out different conclusions. All right. Well, it's been absolutely lovely speaking with both of you today. I would love to tie this back to you at the beginning. We announced the Digital Shadows Women's Network and how excited we are for launching it this week formally. Again, would love to dive into it a bit more because something I don't think we have really talked about too much is what exactly this network is going to look like internally. I think right now it's a little bit of a grassroots effort where we're hoping we have <laughs> enough uh, support from people internally who want to help us plan these events and whatnot. So we are looking to host events across each office and if we can have a guest speaker attend preferably a woman in tech who has overcome challenges and is able to, to talk to us about it. Perhaps someone in another local chapter of another women's network who can discuss starting their own network, what it was like, what worked well, and some best practices. And over time this year, I think things like Sophie that you brought up, tackling our recruitment side of it, making sure that we have a woman, a woman on board for each interview panel, that we are making sure our job descriptions and everything we kind of put out from that talent attraction and retention side isn't turning anyone off from it. Mm -hmm. And also looking at as we get into our next cycle of compensation reviews and performance reviews, really challenging ourselves to, to tackle it in a different perspective and making sure that there, there is equity and we are all kind of coming at it from the same, same perspective there. Another thing for the network that I'm really excited about too is just to have a little bit of mentorship, you know, that safe place for, for everyone to go to. I think what surprised me was how, how many men in the company are already interested in supporting this and also being a part of the conversation. So I think we are very fortunate in that we kind of organically already have this in our culture and watching it grow is, is something I'm very much so looking forward to over the rest of the year. So to wrap up, I'd like to get a key takeaway from our discussion from each of you, if you would like. Okay, um, so for me, it's about erasing the negative stereotypes that women are not as competent as men in our industry. Um, as best we can, we need to, to work on this. Um, we do need to highlight how talented our, and powerful our women are in our organization and beyond, um, particularly in our industry. It's, we have so much high potential talent that needs to be um, found and utilized and um, absolutely just retained in the industry. And um, particularly for the future pipeline, as I said um, at the start of this podcast, um, it's absolutely key that we bring in as much um, you know, talent in the future as possible. So STEM subjects, not just for the bo for boys. Um, we need to reach out to primary schools, um, kind of students, and and try and erase, you know, how science is cool. <laughs> um, science is cool. It's cool. Science is totally <laughs> yeah, cool. It is cool. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, bring as many great people in to work um, in science, STEM subjects as well. Yeah. yeah, and following on from that, my key takeaway from this would be. You know, if you are a young woman or a girl or a woman out there listening to this and you want to get into this industry, you're going to hear a lot of people tell you that you can't do that. 
And every time somebody tells you that you can't do something, I would just, I really want you to envision the look on their faces when you rub your success in it. <laughs> I think that's a really, really important thing. Think, well, now I'm just going to do it to make you angry. Um, you know, work until they get annoyed and follow what you want to do and don't let anybody tell you or make you think that there's a shut door. And if you are seeing loads of shut doors and you don't know what you're going to do in five years, come look us up. Like we'll listen. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. That's all we have time for today, unfortunately. I think we could have kept going for the rest of the <laughs> afternoon. But massive thank you to, to you, Sophie, and you, Rose. Have a great week, everyone, and thank you for listening. For more coverage of the Digital Shadows Women's Network, visit digitalshadows.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For the latest research from the intelligence team, visit resources.digitalshadows.com.